I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, it's Lauren Dimmitt Waters with a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. And today we are going to talk about plastic surgery. Um, If you had seen my Instagram live now on IGTV, I did one with my guest and I thought we should do a podcast on it. And this is uh, Dr. Amir Karam. He is based out of um, San Diego, right? And he has been practicing plastic surgery for a really long time. And he specializes, um, he's limited his practice to just one thing, and that's the face. Um, So he only does facial rejuvenation procedures of rhinoplasty. And he is ranked as one of, repeatedly, as one of the top plastic surgeons in the country. Um, He's attentive, caring, and extraordinarily committed to his patients. He's known as the doctor's doctor. And he has been asked to perform procedures on countless physicians and their families. And the face is both complex and delicate, and the impact of facial plastic surgery is enormous. I could go on with all the accolades and everything here, but I just want to get talking. So welcome. Welcome. Did I miss anything? Thank you, Lauren. No, well, no it's, all, it's all good. No, I think you got the, the gist for sure. So I'm, I'm uh, happy to be here and happy to discuss some of this stuff with you. And hope the viewers will enjoy it as well. Listeners. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, before it was viewers, now it's listeners. Hopefully we'll cross over and get both. But, um, you know, this is at least for, for my audience, this is sort of a, you know, very debatable option. Of course, there are uh-huh. those that claim that they're never going to do this. Then there are those that are very open about it. And then there are those that are not open about it and do it anyway and just don't want anyone to know. <laughs> so it seems like, which is fine. I think any way you choose to go, you got to do what's right for you. But I guess if we are considering, uh, women in in midlife are considering uh, this route of doing a you know plastic surgery. How do you know when it's time for a facelift? So it's a you know it's it's an interesting question because it's not there's no uh, simple way to answer that other than mm-hmm. when you notice the changes that are happening in your face. And you start to lose some of that sense of uh, identity, like you you don't look like yourself. Because really, that's what aging is. If you think about somebody who's older and somebody who's younger, and they reflect back on some old photos, they don't. A lot of times, there's it's almost like they're not even correlated to each other. It's like you can barely make out that this person used to be that person. Yeah. But what's what's interesting and important is, um, in their mind, they're still that young person all the time. You know, oh. and. Uh, and yeah, and so what happens is there's a transition point, and that's if you want to just talk kind of generally, um, you know, in most people, it's somewhere around the, the late 40s, early 50s, where um, you start to see signs of, of true facial aging. And once that happens, it's a, uh, it's a you know, it's a uh, pretty rapid course that goes on from that point forward. 
And it ultimately ends in a person looking actually like a very old person, right? I mean, we all know what that person, what that person is, right? It's an older person. You say that person's old, that person's young. They, they, don't, uh, they have certain features. In the individual who's going through that, when you decide you want to do something about it, is obviously dependent on, as an individual, when you feel that those changes have gone far enough, right? If, if you're the type of person who believes that you want to maintain your appearance, your youthful appearance, um, and not look like an older person, then you treat it in the early stages of the aging process. If, on the other hand, you kind of, you're like, yeah, this doesn't bother me too much. Let me, uh, you know, I'll live with this for a while and let it go. Um, and then you, you know, your jawline and your neck start to sag, et cetera, all that kind of thing to a certain point, then you might decide, hey, now I want to do something about it. So it's a very personal uh, decision when the individual decides to do something. But at the end of the day, um, there's no totally right answer other than two criteria have to be met. One, the person has to be, you know, feeling that the changes are, are making them no longer look as young as they feel. So there has to be that emotional component, which is, I mean, if it, that's a non-starter. If the person doesn't feel that way, they would never even seek out anything. True. The second, the second is, um, you know, they can't be jumping the gun too quickly. And that's where, you know, an honest or, you know, a surgeon with, with integrity will look at that situation and say, Hey, you know what? Um, I, I get where, you know, you have a fear of looking older, et cetera, but you're really, you don't have any of the signs of aging to justify any kind of surgical procedure yet. Um, and that's, that's where it comes. So for me, it's always a criteria of individual person's sort of readiness for it emotionally. And then the second one is I have to confirm that there is enough physical change to justify the procedure. And then when those two things come together, then it's, then it's ready. So it could be as early as, you know, I mean, in cases where somebody has genetic changes, um, genetic aging, and it's a little premature, it could be early 40s, even late 30s sometimes that they need uh, surgical intervention. And in other cases, it could, you know, be in the late 60s if they have some extraordinary genetics that holds them. But the average person mm-hmm. tends to be in the, in the late 40s and early 50s when, uh, when those changes that would justify a surgical um, procedure would, would, be, uh, uh, would be justified. So you just kind of know, you just know when you know, basically. You know, you know, you know. Okay. I mean, no one, no one is just sitting around um, contemplating when's, when, they, you know, no one's excited about that, that when the day comes that they can have, you know, um, a facelift or anything like that. It's just like, they get to that point and they're like, okay, now what do I do? What kind of, uh, what kind of options do I have? And I think that's really where it gets confusing for the person because, you know, there's a lot of information out there that. That, that leads people into a lot of different uh, different um, considerations of how to manage the aging process. And really, unfortunately, there's really not that many good options, um, even though the person might not know it at the time that they start to go down those roads. Well, okay, that leads me then to my next question, because um, most women that uh, that I speak to, the I mean, the, we, we can live with some lines and, and whatnot, but it's really they complain most about the neck and then they try non-surgical treatments and, you know, with just a modicum of result. Why don't they work? Like, why? why? Because I, I'm telling women, if you're really that unhappy, it's going to have to be surgery. So, you know, don't waste your money necessarily. So why aren't these working? Well, because it's not the, the problem. See, when you talk about, um, you know, non-surgical, you have two general categories. You have, uh, you have fillers. 
right? Injectables mm-hmm. on one hand, and then you have uh, um, these energy-based devices like, you know, all therapy and thermage, and, you know, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a million of them nowadays. Um, and the reason why they don't work is, for example, when your jawline and neck starts to sag, that's a fundamentally deep change that's happening to those tissues. Mm-hmm. It's not super, it's not superficial and it's also not volume related. It's not that your, your facial volume just diminishes and, uh, and you can get away with putting some filler back in your cheek and all of a sudden your, your jawline and neck is going to come back up. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nice thought, right? I mean, we're thinking, wow, that'd be really nice if that, that were the case. That'd be a really easy fix. But we've had almost, I don't know, 10, 15 years of, of experience with that, uh, that approach. And universally, it doesn't work. In fact, not only does it not work, it actually leads to more facial deformity and more loss of identity, which is more dangerous of an outcome than just simply not working. And then when it comes to energy devices, um, many of them are either, um, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to address the foundation of the face because they're not, uh, they're not, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard enough to do it right with, with an open surgery, let alone to do it from, from external, just by putting in some energy through the skin and and hoping that that's going to take up the laxity. So again, another 10 or 15 years worth of data there that shows that, you know, maybe if you can use your imagination and be super optimistic, you might see like a 10 or 15% temporary improvement in, in the laxity. And then what ends up happening is you, you spend all this money on the procedure, you know, you get, you're given a six month, uh, you know, period where they say the collagen is supposed to do this and that, and things are going to start tightening up. And then six months to a year goes by and you look back and you're like, geez, I don't see anything. And then you either go do the procedure again, or you start to feel really bad that you spent all this money on something that didn't work. And that's been a, a cycle that's been, you know, I think universally experienced by anyone who goes down that road. Um, right. And I think, I think just now we're starting to really become clear headed on the thing that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be wishful and hopeful and all this kind of stuff, but it, it's just simply not going to do the trick. So, um, and that's, that's a heartbreaking thing for me because I know for a lot of people, how important it is to look as young as they feel. I mean, it sounds like a cool little line to say that, but it's like, that's the foundation of it. That's really what it comes down to. It's like right. your youth and beauty and self-identity are really tied to how you look and, and, uh, and that ultimately affects how you feel and vice versa. So, um, for, for a lot of people, this is a big deal. And when they're, when they pick the wrong horse to yeah. try to, you know, and then, you know, they've, they've wasted a ton of money and they might not have that much money to, to go down another road or another road until they finally find the right thing. So that's why identifying the right treatment right off the, the gates can be very, very um, important and efficient for somebody um, who's serious about trying to maintain their appearance um, and look as young as they feel. Yeah, I know that it kind of breaks my heart because I'd rather, you know, you think about all the thousands that you spend on these procedures where you're just going to see, I mean, a 10, 10 to even 20% return on your investment is not very good. Um, no, 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 it's not. Um, so what is, okay. So you perform a vertical, you call it the vertical restore facelift. What's the difference between that and a deep plane facelift? I've been asked. That. Okay. So, yeah. So basically what it comes down to my, my sort of personal evolution, um, started with 
um, recognizing that the vector is really important, right? What direction you bring the face up? Because you're, you're, what, you know, the ter- and I don't even use the term facelift. Right. And the reason why I don't is because facelifts, in my mind and my understanding of how, how you know, all this stuff plays out, a facelift is essentially a horizontal procedure, you know, meaning that um, if you were to put your fingers on your cheeks and you uh, pull your face sideways, um, that's the, the direction that a facelift brings you in. And that's simply the way it's been done over, for over 100 years are, are, uh, in every one of our textbooks that we open up and what we read about and as, uh, as uh, you know, surgeons in training and, and all this stuff. This is how it's done. It's a, it's a, you know, the SMAS facelift is a horizontally based facelift. It's a horizontally based procedure. But the, the only problem is the face doesn't age horizontally. We don't, we don't uh, age from, from ear to nose. Like it doesn't go in that direction. So why right. would we be pulling sideways and thinking that we're going to look younger? Um, the face ages by going from top to bottom. It's an it's a elongation process. The face gets longer with age. It doesn't get, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know, shorter. Like it doesn't lengthen side to side. So right. because it lengthens um, in a vertical fashion, um, the obvious thing is you got to lift it in a vertical direction. You have to reposition. You have to, you know, regain that um, that length again. You have to. You go from long to short. That's how you you make a face look like it used to. So, you know, given that that essential concept, um, it's this is not a facelift because a facelift by definition is horizontal. Um, and, you know, for for semantic purposes, one can call it that, but I didn't want to call it something that it's not. So. Um, the name is not what the procedure is. The, pro- the procedure was trademarked um, as a unique surgical procedure that didn't exist before. So it's not, um, again, it's not, I didn't copyright the name. I didn't trademark the name. I trademarked the procedure, which is a very different concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what it is, the vertical restore is basically, it's, it's an extension of how you think about aging, which is, a, you know, the entire facial fascia from the top you know, of your temples all the way down to your neck. Um, I, I, uh, think of it as just one thing. It's all one, um, aging process that is, that's changing. So what this does is it takes that entire fascia and it brings it all back up. Now, in order to do that, I don't need to do it as a deep plane, but the only reason I bring in the deep plane concept into the, into the, uh, picture is because it does, the deep plane allows me to release the ligaments, um, in the mid face. And that allows me to get total freedom to bring the mid-face up because there's no other way to, to get your mid-face to come up without releasing the ligaments. And I know this might be a little bit too much information or hard to understand anatomically, but suffice it to say that the, the, the mid-face is what causes the, the nasolabial folds to get deeper. And by releasing that, you're able to not only lift the nasolabial folds and open that up, but you're also able to lift up the corners of the mouth, um, which sag with age but also allow everything to kind of go up unobstructed. So the, the deep plane I, I utilize, not in a traditional deep plane fashion, because the deep plane by itself is still mostly horizontal. It's not a, it's not a true vertical um, lift. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then so by separating everything in the deep plane and separating everything in the neck and opening everything up in the upper temple region, I'm able to get a full vertical um, elevation of that entire fascia. And that gives me more or less the, uh, the, the vertical restore. It addresses the, the lateral brow, the mid-face, the jawline, and the neck all in one fell swoop. Well, I, I can say that, by the way, I, I, you know, I'm 
telling people they should go follow your Instagram because it's it's fascinating. Um, that the results are are amazing and very natural. Like it just everybody looks probably like what they did when they were younger, just like themselves again. Like nobody looks weird or freaky or you know that that yeah. that total obvious plastic surgery look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that and that's that part of it is a combination, I would say, of of you know technique paradigm, meaning mm-hmm. you know it's like thinking about it the way we just thought about it is if the face is is changing in one direction, let's go in the opposite direction, and then we have we have the original face again, um, as opposed to going in a completely uni- unique direction, and now all of a sudden we've tweaked the original um, you know the original uh, landscape of the face. So that's really important. And then I think ultimately it just also comes down to um, having a sensibility of what natural looks like and then extending that sensibility into surgery because, um, you know, it truly every single outcome I've ever had from the very beginning has had that quality of, of not looking like it's ever um, had, had a procedure done, never looked operated, never looked different. The person always looked like the same, but younger, et cetera. So I think there's, there's um, a combination of technical aspect, but also just probably um, a sense of, of what you need to do in those moments because every face is unique and every face ages in a unique way to some degree. And, and being able to capture those changes uh, and bring it back is, is something I think is, it's not 100% technique dependent, but I think there's a, there's a combination of those two things that, that come around it. But yeah, and that's the thing I think that, that draws patients to my practice at the end of because, you know, back to the original premise, they want to look as young as they feel. They want to look like themselves. They don't want to look like a different person. No one signs up to look different. And, and I think, unfortunately, so much of facial plastic surgery leads to a different looking person. And I think that's a huge reason why people are scared to go forward with surgery and why they, they just jump, you know, at all these non-surgical treatments because the reputation has been soiled, you know I mean? And I don't blame them. It's like you walk around the streets and go into a restaurant and you see all these crazy looking outcomes and you say, well, that's, see, that person had a face. So that's what, that's what comes of it. But you don't realize that in that same room on that same street, there could be a number right. of them who've had really well uh, performed work done that you couldn't even pick them apart from the crowd. Yeah, I, I agree. And you, you know, you, you only notice the bad ones and yeah. the ones you don't because they're good and you yeah. shouldn't notice it. Right. Right. Exactly. So what is, is the scarring different then? Or than the uh, not not ter- not terribly different. I think okay. you know the incisional designs. Um, I mean, we all have as surgeons, we all have our our um, you know approach to, and we've all evolved in a little bit of a uh, of our based on our own experiences to make the incisions as good as possible. But um, you know, all, for all intents and purposes, they're not that different. You know, okay. um, I th- I think vertical restore might be a little bit longer. Uh, than other incisions in the in the upper temporal region. That's because it incorporates the the lifting of that lateral brow segment. And and if how long how long should it last? Like you know, there was a time when I knew. Well, okay, I can say my mom had two. She had one face left. Yeah, and then she needed you know another one. Um, and like, how long should this last typically? So so yeah. So in this this is again. It's, it's interesting because it goes back to um, the issue of of how it's done, right? Because right. Um, because a, a substantial part of my practice is performing a vertical restore on a patient who had a traditional facelift, like within three years. 
I mean, how heartbreaking is that? They, they literally went out and they had a, a, a facelift. They chose a surgical approach. They had a facelift. And then within a year, their face started to fall again. And they looked like they, they, um, they did before a procedure. They didn't address it. And that's, that, for me, was a huge motivating um, point where I wanted really a technique that gave the, great, the greatest longevity. And so that also led me to this concept, you know, the, the uh, incorporation of the deep plane, because the deep plane is not new. It's been around since the you know, late 80s. And uh, it's always been considered the most difficult technique to perform, but, but also the most rewarding um, in terms of its longevity. And uh, in doing a deep plane, um, you know, it's been generally expected that you're going to get like 10, 10 plus, 10, 15 years out of it. But what's interesting is the way this particular approach is, because there's so much more release in the neck and, and the upper face, et cetera, everything moves in a much more unobstructed way. Mm-hmm. And so my, my thought is, is it's going to give probably, you know, I mean, if you say a deep plane typically gives like 10 to 15 years, this is going to be a, at least that much, but it could even be longer because there's really nothing obstructing um, or nothing counter. There's no counter tension to the lift. Unlike um, when you're pulling against the face, you're, you're pulling against a lot of these ligaments and that those uh, ligaments pull back naturally. There's a recoil. Mm-hmm. And this is releases all the ligaments. So there's, there's like literally an obstruction, you know, there's no obstruction to, to how far you go. There's no counter tension, but what's, um, but what's really also important is if it's a properly done lift, not only do you get those 10 or 15 years where you're feeling really great about the result, but also let's say hypothetically, you never do another procedure. You're always going to age so much more slowly because you had it done. Mm-hmm. Even though you might say, yeah, I'd like to get it done again, just because I want to look like 40 again, 30 again, whatever the age is. I want to keep that tightness in my jawline and neck, et cetera. But even, you know, you might be 70 and have just a little bit of laxity in your jawline and neck. Um, and that's, that looks nothing like a typical 70 year old at that point. You know what I mean? Right. So you're still going to look better than everybody, right, right, than most everybody else's. It, right. It's not like Rogaine where if you use it on your hair, um, you know, your hair stays in place. And then the minute you stop using it, boom, all the fall hair out, right. you'll, you'll fall out and you look bald now. It's not like okay. that. It's like th- you'll never catch up to what normal aging would have taken you, you know, towards. So it's a, it's a, it's a long-term change. Got it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, so let me ask you this getting, so what do you think suggests that women could be doing for our skin at home that might help? Uh, you know, yeah, but- no, I think that's a great, great question. Um, I mean, I think fundamentally, probably um, it starts with understanding what's happening to the skin as we age. Um, you know, the, the, um, just like the, the transition that we're talking about with, uh, with the fascia getting longer somewhere in the, in the late 40s, mm-hmm. somewhere in the, in the uh, late 30s and early 40s and beyond, there is a gradual and continuous slowdown of the production of collagen and elastin. Um, and there's a almost kind of like um, uh, um, a turning off process of all the things that protect the skin for, and keep it looking supple, clear, young, small pores, et cetera. Biologically, almost kind of like it, it, the, the um, genetics are saying, well, it doesn't even matter if you have beautiful skin anymore, you know, right, and, and, right. That, and that sort of, and it sort of stops using its, its, uh, metabolic energy in terms of keeping the skin looking great. So what, what that translates to is skin starts to thin and loses elasticity, which means you start to see more lines and wrinkles. 
Um, the other aspect of the skin change is you're starting to see the, uh, the um, accumulation of pigment um, mm-hmm. from all the sun exposure, et cetera. So that, that resistance to that pigment uh, production, when you're young, you lay in the sun, you get tan, you look beautiful, all looks great until, you look, until you're in your 40s. And then all of a sudden, all of that sun you absorb back in the day now yep. starts tra- transmitting into small pigments that start to um, organize and form hyperpigmentation throughout the skin. And then the, the final piece is um, your, your skin starts to accumulate more and more um, dead layers of the surface, which means that the skin doesn't have that reflectivity, that luminous quality to it because it's, it's dull now. And that dullness leads to like a textural change that doesn't feel smooth and soft. So you've got dullness, you've got accumulation of pigment, and you've got thinning and loss of elasticity. So you say, all right, well, how can I prevent a lot of this stuff? Well, number one, if you're young enough to, to be listening to this, you, I mean, sun protection is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, next, the next level, I would say the basic sort of thing is, you know, getting on a, on a retinol and vitamin C are two really good things. Retinol, what it's doing, again, we're talking about like thinking about it very clearly. Um, you know, retinol is stimulating collagen production, elasticity, and it improves elasticity, thickens the dermis over time. If this is like, you know, 40 years worth of data, we know this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then vitamin C, what it's doing is, is a func- functioning as a good antioxidant. So it's breaking down a lot of the things that cause the skin to, to show long-term aging changes, pigments, et cetera. And then, so you, you put the, those basic pieces together and then you have, you know, a good um, foundation for your skin. Problem is a lot of people um, not, not only don't know about all the, you know, like what the basics, there's so many millions of different types of skincare products out there, but mm-hmm. it's, also, it's also a matter of, of uh, consistency and simplicity. And that, that's been a challenge for me because I've always believed that, you know, skin is an equally important part of looking young. Because if you think about what a young person looks like, they have really nice looking skin. I mean, they have young looking skin, call it just young. Right. And, then they have, and then they have a good facial shape, right? I mean, they don't have laxity along their jawlines and neck. That's, that's looking young. It doesn't matter if your eyes have a little bit of loose skin or if you have bags under your eyes or if you're hollow. Those, there's 20-year-olds that still look, that have that and they still look 20. Um, but you have to have you know, firmness along your jawline and neck, and you have to have nice skin to look young. And so for me, it's always been a challenge to get people to do these things because, um, you know, I I mean, I've kind of oversimplified it, but there's like, you know, probably left three to five or six different major categories of things that you should be doing for your skin to -hmm. keep it looking great. But then that ends up costing like 600 bucks a a month to do. And it's like six steps you got to do on your skin. So, um, you know, I've been personally working on a on a uh, product which will be out pretty soon that puts all of those key um, categorical um, ingredients into one um, AM PM bottle, basically. So you do that in the morning, do it at night, and it has the retinol, has the antioxidants, has the growth factors, has all the things that are um, lighteners, all the things that are important to keep that skin looking um, young and great for the long run. Um, in a way that you all you have to do is just pick you use it once in the morning, once in the night, without having six different things in front of you. So that concept is really at the at the forefront because most people just jump around from thing to thing, um, hoping That's that something's get, right. something will work, but they don't even know what they're supposed to, because they're, they're trying to sometimes they're trying to fix laxity with the with the I mean, it, it drives me crazy when I see these um, advertisements for like neck firming cream or like you yeah. know. Um, you know, like whatever, it'll give you like a facelift. <laughs> it's just like, 
that's not going to no. do that. Like, you know, no. you got your expectations have got to be in the right place. You're going to improve your skin. And then now if you're a little older um, and your skin has already kind of gone through some of these changes, well, then you have to, in addition to using um, those type of uh, product ingredients categories, then you have to have a nice relationship with your local uh, medical spa or, or dermatology office or plastic surgery office and do things like microneedling and and chemical peels and lasers, because those things are going to stimulate collagen production in the long run. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. So what do, what do you think about um, like fillers? What are your thoughts on those? Well, I think fillers replace lost volume. Um, and they're, they're especially um, useful when you're a little bit younger, you know, and you got like a little bit of cheek, your cheeks are, you know, a little bit of lips are starting to lose volume, etc. But when you start to lose real overall facial volume, you can't keep up with it with fillers because there's too many areas. I mean, there's like literally 14, 15 different parts of your face from above your eyes, under your eyes, your temples, your cheeks, your nasal labial folds, your lips, all, I mean, you just up and down, there's, there's areas of your face, which is losing fat with age. And if you try to just fill one or two areas over and over again with filler, which is what most people end up doing, they just put in their cheeks, you know, their mid cheek, you know, time and time again. What ends up happening is those areas get full. Everything else continues to lose volume, and you look funky. Yeah, you know, and and that that's again deforming. So, um, and again, a lot of times people are using these fillers to try to correct things that are not related to volume loss, which is laxity. So, fillers I think has a very specific place, and it's mostly for the younger person who has um, early early facial volume changes in one or two areas, you know, or they just want a little augmentation of their lips, or just a little bit of augmentation of their cheeks or a little bit better cheekbone width or a little stronger chin or something like that. But when you start using a lot of it, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And we just see, I mean, it's at this point where we've seen it now for in action for 10 years, we see what happens. Oh boy. Boy. So what happens when, when somebody's using so much filler, what, what do you think makes them finally just like say, come to you, you know, or to go? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think when they don't see the they don't see that the thing that they're trying to address is being corrected. Okay. You know, I mean, while they keep putting it all this filler in their cheek, their jawline and neck are just sagging more and more as time goes on. So then they they finally give up, and then they also start you know maybe a friend or a photo or someone says, "Hey, you're starting to look a little a little different," you know, a little off. Yeah. So so that kind of uh, alerts them. But I think I think for most people, they just give up because they're like, "Wait, this isn't doing anything." You know, I don't use a lot of filler personally in our practice. We, I, I use fat transfer, but I realize fat transfer is not something that's commonly available. So, I mean, I, we're, our patients are um, um, are blessed to have that for them because fat transfer is nice because it replaces all the lost volume throughout the face in one one single procedure, and it's permanent. You know, and it's done. So you don't need to keep do, you know adding uh, fillers here and there, but that's not super. And it's from your own common. body. It's, it's something that- What's that? It's yeah, it's from, from your own it's body. From, it, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, wow. This is a, there's a lot here. There's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot only because there's a lot of misinformation. I mean, right. the reality is it's a pretty simple story. It's like, you know, you, be, you get to a certain age, you do a fat transfer in a vertical store, you treat your eyes, and you're, you're, you're done. Like, it's that simple, really. And you do the things we just mentioned at home on your skin. And, you know, follow it up with, a, with uh, every few months you go in and get like a, um, some type of uh, stimulating treatment like a microneedling laser or, or a chemical peel, depending on your budget, whatever it is. 
And you can literally, literally continue to looking like you did in your pre-aging days, call it 30s or early 40s or whatever it is, for as long as you wish. Like it's that simple. Like it's actually not that complicated. It's just complicated because you have to change the way you've come to learn this whole topic over well, yeah, all these I think years. You have to, you have to wrap your, your head around it. It's, it's like changing the way you think and also the way that like society has taught us to think. And I think a lot, there's a lot of confusion, especially, you know, with all the products and all the things that you can do. And then, you know, and then of course there's judgment because, you know, there are many women that are like, oh, I would never do that. And then, as I said, you know, there's, there's like, we're shaming women that do get it done. We're shaming women that don't get it done. And we really shouldn't do that. People should just do whatever makes them feel better. Because I agree with you. I think if what you're looking, what, you're looking at in the mirror is not reflecting how you feel on the inside, then you should do what makes you feel better. And I think that's going to be different. It's, for every person. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like, it's literally the same. I mean, I, I don't want to oversimplify, but I, I, I can't imagine an argument against it. It's literally the same, same thing is if your, your hair starts to turn gray and you're like, I don't want to, I don't really feel like living with gray right. hair right now. I want to have my youthful color hair. So I'm going to dye my hair. Well, you know, if you don't no want to judgment look, about that now too. So <laughs> no. there's what there's judgment there's about what? that now too about hair yeah. color. Well, you know, we're just I think people have just so, got to their own lives and do whatever makes them feel good. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, and I think that the um, I mean, I certainly I have no issue with aging or how aging looks fundamentally. That's not even my thing. I, I only care about the way all of it makes a person feel. You know, I just I think my you know, my fundamental um, inspiration is just making people feel good when they don't feel good before the procedure. That's it. I mean, it comes Absolutely. down to it. So if they're, yeah, if they feel great with their aging changes, then that, then I have zero, you know, I have zero yeah. value. Exactly. That's it. But, it, yeah. but if they don't, if they don't feel good and I can make them feel good and, and kind of liberate them from this like self-awareness aspect, then, you know, I've done a great service for them. And that's how people look at it. When the ones who find me, I mean, obviously, only people who find me who have these issues um, will, will do it. But, um, but again, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that there should be any judgment or if anyone should feel uh, badly about it. But I do think that the tides are changing in a more positive way. And that's even evidenced by the number of people who are, um, like, for example, on our Instagram site, who are you know, constantly willing to, to go out there and, and put themselves in front of everyone and, and say, hey, I got this done. And you know, I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm not ashamed of it. And well, you and know, you're busy, it, so there's that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, it's yeah. not like no that's, one's that, doing this. I, I just think it's, yeah. you know, there's, you know, and that's, that's someone's choice too, whether you want to talk about what you've had done or you don't. That's, that's totally your, you know, that's your journey. So. It is. And I think, I think the one thing though that I would say is more is sort of, I, I would say that it's, it's, there's no problem not telling people, but it's the thing that's generally not, Cool, I would say is telling people you didn't do anything or that you wouldn't do anything and yet you did do something. Oh, yeah. You know, because what yeah. ends up happening, because what happens there, and this is the sad part, is you know, you're sitting here, you got your jawline and neck, you know, it's gone. You're you're bummed out about it. And then you've got your, you know, whatever celebrity or your friend yeah. or whoever it might be who just had, let's call it the vertical restore, and they look amazing. They look like they're, they did when they're in their thirties, but they never, they did it early enough to where there's not this big, huge change and no one can tell they had anything done. 
And then this poor person with the jowling and the neck laxity is looking at them and saying, why does this person look so great? And why do I No, no. like they, I'm aging? They go out and buy the same celebrity's uh, beauty line uh, that's made with, yeah. you know, baby placenta or olive oil, yeah. whatever <laughs> snake oil they're yeah. selling. And then they wonder, then this dumb schmo wonders why they don't look like the celebrity. And it's, it's yeah, that's where it yeah. does damage. No, that's, that's, where, that's a... Because that's now, damaging because that's, that's really, yeah. Agreed. I th- we're, we're in a complete agreement on that. It's, it's, it's a problem. I don't mind yeah. if people don't talk about it. Clearly it's, you know, your business. Yeah. But don't go around saying you haven't had something done and making other people feel terrible because, you know. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's, exactly. That's, that's not right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And yeah. Um, people, yeah. people can find you uh, at uh, drkaram.com. Um, he is in San Diego. Um, I really appreciate talking to you yet again. It's always fascinating, but I'm, I'm usually lurking on your Instagram page anyway. I mean, I'm, I check out some of <laughs> They're fascinating. They're fascinating. It's, it's very interesting. No, thank you. And education. Well, I think you're, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think you're doing a great job of, uh, of helping people, you know, uh, find their way and ultimately um, what's right for them. So that's all, I appreciate that's you I having want. me on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's all I want for people just to yeah. find their way and make it their own journey the best they can, you know? And Absolutely. Whatever Absolutely. That, whatever that requires. Okay. So thank yeah. you. So much. Um, My I'm, pleasure. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, if, if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple podcasts. It helps us out a lot. And I have a new pro-aging podcast weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainofthirty.com for sponsorship opportunities. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, take care.